My mother said, we humans all experience three deaths, and that the first death is the day that we give our last breath, the day that we die. And the second death is the day that we're buried, never to be seen on the face of the earth again. And the third, but the most dreaded death of all, is to be forgotten. Honoring the dead is at the heart of 2018 National Heritage Fellow Ophelia Esparza's practice as a Chicana altarista or altar maker. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. Ophelia creates altars that pay homage and evoke memories of events, places, or deceased loved ones, and are often most identified as a way to mark the Day of the Dead, or El Dio de los Muertos. Ophelia's altars are colorful, intricate, multi-level structures embellished with photos, traditional foods, flowers, real and paper, as well as handmade and found ornaments that evoke ancestors and deceased relatives. Ophelia learned the practice of altar making from her mother and great-grandmother, and she in turn passed it along to her own nine children, who have developed their talents and dedication to this tradition. And she also shares the tradition beyond her family, giving presentations about Day of the Dead to people in schools, museums, community centers, prisons, and parks throughout the Los Angeles area. In 1979, Ophelia Esparza created one of the first large-scale public altars in the United States at Los Angeles' Self-Help Graphics. And now her altars, which range from small personal ofrendas, or offerings, to large-scale commemorations have been exhibited widely in museums across the country. I spoke with Ophelia Esparza and her daughter and fellow altarista, Rosanna Aherns, recently. They were recorded at a community center, so you'll hear doors opening and closing and the other occasional background noise. I began by asking Ophelia to tell me more about the Day of the Dead, or El Dio de los Muertos. Dia de los Muertos is a, a very ancient tradition, and it's rooted in the indigenous people of Mexico. Since the 1500s, when the Spanish came into Mexico, it was observed as part of the Catholic calendar, the Catholic Church. And so the tradition has melded into one practice of, on November 1st and 2nd, All Saints Day and All Souls Day. But many of the ancient traditions are still part of it. And I think that's why it's such a unique way of celebrating Day of the Dead. Well, tell me the way you celebrate Day of the Dead. The way it's celebrated, I feel, the way I learned from my mother and now what I'm doing, is very colorful, an expression of not only reverence and respect and honoring, but also festive because we celebrate the life of our loved ones who have passed, of our ancestors. And of course, it also takes on a wider uh, meaning here in the U.S. because it is a living tradition. As more people participate, you see some differences. But for me, the essence of it is to honor and remember our dead and keep their memory alive. And I have carried this on. It was not just a, a devotion but it was more of an obligation for us to remember our family. And of course, all it all stems from my, my own learning from my mother. And today, you know, we, Rosanna, my daughter, 
and my children help me make altars for different people that we love or people who have made a, a mark in my life or in the life of others. You grew up in East Los Angeles. What do you remember about the Day of the Dead from your childhood? Tell me about the altars that your mother would make. I also was born in East Los Angeles in 1932. As a child, my mother came to this country, but she brought her homeland, her homeland traditions, her food, all her customs. And so I grew up with these traditions. She practiced in a very humble, quiet way. She actually did several altars throughout the year. But for Day of the Dead, we always had a small altar at home, like many homes that I knew, where you have photographs and maybe a candle. But but for Days of the Dead, she would dress it up with flowers from her garden. But the things that I remember most is going to the cemetery. My mother and my aunt, two aunts, would pack up a lunch and take things in bags and my cousins and I, we would walk to the cemetery. I don't believe we had any um, very close relatives buried there. And so the person, the gravesite we were on, was someone that they, was related in some way to someone in our family or from our, our, my mother's hometown. They would put out a spread of food, and they had brought flowers from their garden and just very humbly decorated around the gravestone. You know, as we ate, she would talk about who was there, how they were related to my grandfather or her great-grandmother or someone in her family. But at the same time, they would describe all the way that they lived, the, the food they ate, and the anecdotes about when she was a child. And so these stories were the ones that, have, that stayed with me and were such so important. My mother painted these images. And so those were my the most vivid memories I have of celebrating Day of the Dead. And would you help her at home, Ophelia, with the altars that she created? Uh, as a very young child, I didn't. I would just observe, and my mother would talk about her mother, her grandmother, and her great-grandmother who raised her, and then her relatives. That's how I knew about my family. That's the important part that I talk about when I speak to people of how observing and making an altar is a process. It's a bridge between the living and the dead, but it's also a bridge with generations. And then beyond that, it bridges now cultures and even countries today. Rosanna, I assume you grew up with altars, altars that your mother created. Well, there's nine kids and I'm number five, so I'm the first girl. And as a, as a young baby, I ended up being part of my grandmother's household. And yeah, there was little shrines or altars for different occasions. But the big, big celebrations was during Christmas time when as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the nativity. And the nativity is the nacimiento. It wasn't just the scene of the stable and Mary and Joseph and the baby. It was the shepherds and then beyond into the villages and swans and lakes. And so it had all these little vignettes. It just went on and on. And if you imagine having a living room and you just take half of it and make it that into an altar installation, that's what my grandmother did. That was the massive piece that she would do. And as children, you know, that was really awesome. It was magnificent for a small child. And my mom also was painting the backdrop as well. So it had like this cityscape, like a Mexican Bethlehem, you know. 
<laughs> I can see how that would just inflame your imagination and curiosity. Well, that's how it actually worked for me because the big altar was the nacimiento. And so in the early years, just like my children, we, I was awed by all the pieces and all the things. And then eventually I would help. And because it was, it was such a big endeavor that my dad and my oldest brother, they helped with setting up the foundation. And as I grew, I always participated in some way. And um, like Rosanna said, I would paint the backdrop. And then later on, by the time I got married, I was taking on more of the work. But it was always my mother's nacimiento. And that's a big influence on the altars that I make, including Day of the Dead. It has many things. I like it colorful, and it's joyful. There's a lot to see, but I think it, they tell stories. They tell stories about whoever this altar is dedicated to, and that is the style and the way that I envision an altar with many items to tell the story of the, the person or the people being honored. But it's also a sacred space because we're talking about honoring the dead, and that's a very special place that I think calls for introspection, contemplation, and also much reverence. But not fear. Oh, no, never fear. I know there are flowers. I know there are hundreds of flowers, both real and paper flowers, but, but what are some of the other things you place on an altar? Well, the main things are the photographs. That's, those are the, that's the focal points. And in a home altar, um, there's always, you know, some religious icons. I always have Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's, you know, just from my own tradition and my own devotion. The other things are, are candles. I use copal. Copal is a, a natural resin incense that is that goes back many generations. The four elements are represented, wind, fire, earth, and water. The papel picado, that's the flags that are cut up into banners. Those represent wind. They flutter with any slight breeze, and they're decorative. It's very traditional. We usually make our own, but artisans are doing this for people to buy for their altars. And then, of course, food. And, and then I like to have many mementos, and I like to have organic material like plants. We make things, my daughters and I make things to have this ambience of color and reverence. It's a big endeavor, but it's a very joyful one for me. And Ophelia, it's an artistic endeavor as well, isn't it? I'm an artist, I'm a visual artist, and so it has become an endeavor of tradition and reverence, but it's also an art form. And it's always been an art form. My mother did all these beautiful things. She never called herself an artist, but she greatly influenced me in my, in my creativity. So you, it's just a wonderful endeavor for any artist. I've done many altars by myself, but for many years, it's always someone who is helping me, like I help my mother and it, it's my children. I feel so fulfilled that my children are carrying on this, this tradition. Now tell me, Ophelia, when did you move from making family altars, altars in homes, to moving them out into the community? Well, it was my, my connection to self-help graphics in my own uh, neighborhood. Self-help graphics is the art or organization that began the public community celebrations of Dia de los Muertos. They began, as I understand, in 1973. A sister, Karen Bocalero, was one of the co-founders uh, with two other artists, Mexican artists. 
Later, she moved into my neighborhood, and that's where I got involved as an artist there. A sister, Karen, wanted to create a community event that would bring the community together, and it was a wonderful thing because she asked me, do you know something about Day of the Dead? I said, yes. Okay, you come on Saturdays, and, and we'll do these workshops all the month of October to prepare for this public celebration in the community. And that's when I began participating in public altars. And of course, those were community altars that several people participated in. I was one of the artists. Then as the years went by, in 1988, I was invited to do an altar outside at the art gallery. And then after that, uh, my participation just grew, and then my children became part of that with me. I wanted to ask both of you, because I've seen pictures of your altars, and they're so intricate with multiple layers of images and textures and colors. How do you plan these? Do you plan these out ahead of time? Do you wait and just look at the space? I'm just so curious how you go about beginning this. (laughs) I could give you an example. We did one in 2009 called Journey from Mitlan, which is the land of the dead. And we did a, an altar dedicated to my grandparents, my mom's mom and my papa. And they loved to travel. They traveled throughout Mexico. And every year they'd make a, a trip out to their hometown or out to the big archaeological sites. So What we did is we wanted to create an altar that talked about that, about their travels. It had steamer trunks and their little bureau and a closet, and it had photos of them at these different archaeological sites and and their hometown, and postcards with notes to home. So it had their clothes and just a moment in time where they're, like they're getting ready to visit us for Day of the Dead. So you have to sit down and who are we honoring? What do, what do we want to capture? You know, what is the story that we're trying to tell? And, you know, most of the time they're traditional, you know, layered with a piece of furniture in the middle and an arch. And, you know, there's different photographs and maybe their glasses, whatever it is that they were into. And it's just decorated with lots of flowers. We make paper flowers. It takes a lot of time to create these paper flowers. So a lot of that energy that we use to cut and fold and pull out these flowers is really thinking about the ofrenda, which is the altar. We're thinking about them. We're talking about their stories. So this whole vibration, this love vibration is in these flowers. It's in the ofrenda. And... I just feel like the whole thing is just vibrating this energy of honor and love and reverence. And like my mom said, you know, it's always remembering. They live in our heart. And going back to what my mom was talking about, the altar bridges generations. So like for my son or my nieces and nephews that never met Mama Lupe, my mom's mom, or never met Papa, Here they are in front of this altar, and they're experiencing the oral tradition of telling the story of them. And this memory is carried forward through the generations. It's lovely. I'm assuming you're already working on paper flowers for the upcoming Day of the Dead? Oh, yes, yes. 
We have friends who have asked us, can we help you? Well, yes. Whoever can come in, because we make hundreds of flowers. Well, we have four projects right now, and uh, we use many flowers for them, and we learn to plan way ahead. But in planning the altar, I guess I'm wondering if you make a sketch first or you make a mock-up. In the days when I first started doing my own altars, I started out as making just community altars at South Oak Graphics, and then eventually they had um, they started inviting artists to make for Day of the Dead to invite them to do an, a personal altar. So of course I was doing that, at, and for a few years I was doing the community altar with the help of my son and my daughter and my own personal altars. And my son would say, Mom, why don't you draw me a picture? Then I understand what you really want, because you know, I would have to say, OK, move it this way or add this. That was early on. And so I just started making a schematic. And now Rosanna does a. I do a digital rendering of them, sometimes to submit for venues that are asking for my mom to do an installation. So we give them a visual rendering of what we're aiming for. Yeah, that would make sense. They're so intricate. You have seen, I mean, certainly you, Ophelia, but also you, Rosanna, I'm, I'm sure, just this growing awareness and reclaiming of Day of the Dead. And you've actually played a major role in that reclamation for the community, for the Chicano community in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's. I feel like Dia de los Muertos is reclaiming our identity, you know, this is our celebration. It's it's just so powerful. It's like self-help graphics is the epicenter of Dia de los Muertos in the United States. That's where it started in 1973. And it exploded from there into the rest of the U.S. And I, I'm just so proud of it. It has been commodified, but... For my mom and for myself and for our community, we feel this obligation to be grounded into the traditional ofrenda and the traditional significance of it is the essence of never forgetting your roots, never forgetting your family and having them live in the hearts of the coming generation. And I'm sure, especially for you, Ophelia, when you were growing up in L.A., that the wider culture really discouraged you having any public demonstration of Mexican traditions. I mean, I'm sure you were even discouraged from speaking Spanish. Oh, that, that is for sure. When I was a child, that was in the 30s. Um, one of the stories I tell, because it's vivid, I loved school and I loved learning, and I was a good student. I think it was a second or third grade memory of the teacher would, would pick someone in, from our classroom and they wore this badge and it was called the badge set safety committee. So we'd go to recess, we'd be in the swings or we'd be running. I remember in the swings singing Mexican songs in Spanish with an open heart, just enjoying the swinging and singing. The bell would ring and the child who was appointed the safety committee leader had a little notepad and he or she would hand it to the teacher and then the teachers would start reading names and we knew what that was about. So as she called our names, we had to go up front and we had to put our palm out and she'd slap our hand with a ruler and say, 
you're not supposed to speak Spanish. And I would say, even in the playground? <laughs> what a thing to, to be negated. I was bilingual by the time I went to school. You learn English and you want to learn it. But I think just to be negated, your mother's and your own language that you grew up with, just does something to you. I became a school teacher, an elementary school teacher, and I taught a bilingual classroom. And I always wanted to validate that two languages, I would say it's an enhancement, it's an intellectual activity. Yeah, it makes the brain very supple. But I mean, having gone through that, it must be so much more gratifying to see this cultural reclamation that you've been a part of really having taken root. It, it is. It's wonderful. What I do today, besides building altars, is also to talk about the significance of Dia de los Muertos. And just like every other tradition that you want to preserve, you have to work at it by just example, by talking about it. And of course, doing altars is a visual expression that people can remember and emulate. And many people are making altars today. It really pleases me. And I'd really love to speak to students. I, speak, I do a lot of speaking at universities where I'm asked to make presentations. I am not an expert at all Day of the Dead and altar making because they vary. If you go into Mexico, it's very diverse, not only in its, in its traditions, but in its food and its music and its dress. So for me, I've taken all these, this information, and as an artist, I can take from these, but I never leave the essence, the significance that we're celebrating a life of our loved ones and that we want to remember them. As long as one of us remembers, they, they are still in our hearts. It's also a very healing endeavor to do an altar, to make flowers, to prepare for it. It's like a meditation in a way. And the culmination of this is you have this beautiful remembrance that visual and it's spiritual and it stays with you. One of the wonderful things for a very heartening thing is when someone will come and say, you know, I made my first altar. I saw yours and I wanted to honor my mother or someone in my family. It's a universal thing we can share, that we share with the world to honor our loved ones and to carry on this legacy. What a legacy to be loved and cherished even after death. Wow. Ophelia, you also served as a cultural consultant for the movie Coco. Tell me about that experience. It was a wonderful experience. I was really honored. Rosanna and I were part of it. She could tell you more about it. It is important, and the, the movie, I felt, was so well done. They really they did their homework, but Rosanna can tell you more about that. Yeah, our, our title was advisor, cultural advisor, so we were part of an advisory board and so the the story was pretty much intact when we got involved when we went up to pixar and there was a, a big group it was it was probably about 20 i'd say about 20 people that were part of that advisory board we went up in two different teams and it was a, a good experience it was great to meet the directors and they really did a lot of homework they really wanted to get it right they were going for authenticity. So I feel like they blazed a trail. I think that's great and good. Good for them for listening and good for you for telling them. Another trail that you blazed that I really am so fascinated by, and Ophelia went to Glasgow, Scotland. It was some 20 years ago as part of an artist exchange. 
And you created the first Day of the Dead altar there? Yes, and it was through Graphics. Two artists from the UK were, came to Graphics as an exchange, and they came during Day of the Dead, and they loved it. They said, we'd like to do this in our city, Glasgow, Scotland. And so they sent me and uh, Margaret Sosa, who's a master artist, and then uh, Yolanda Gonzalez, the, one of the resident artists from Self-Help. We made a presentation, and then to prepare to make the altar, I, I engaged some students who came to, to help to make uh, artifacts for the altar. They, made, they were design students from the university there. I had them make candle holders and picture frames. I always have textile. So I bought tartans because it was for them. It was their altar. And so it was a wonderful experience. They treated us royally, and I believe they really embraced our tradition. It was one of the marked experiences of my work throughout the years, so that was a wonderful experience. Let me ask you, Ophelia, you've received an honorary degree from your alma mater. You've been exhibited in many museums. You're the subject of a Crafts in America segment and now you are a 2018 NEA National Heritage Fellow. Can you tell me what this award means to you and also what you think it means for the tradition of marking the Day of the Dead in Los Angeles? Wow, I'm so honored. I, I still have moments to digest this. This is a big honor, and I feel so humbled. It's just a wonderful thing. I think of my mother. So for me, it's honoring me, my family, and my community. Of course, my mother, my ancestors. Because, uh, like I said, it was so important for me to carry on this devotion, this tradition. The example that everyone can do this to remember and, and pass it on to the next generation. That, that is the part that I think I'm so honored to be recognized for doing altars and some things that I've done. But of course, I'm, I'm part of a community that's been so involved in, in the cultural elements of, of our community. And it's important to preserve it because it gets lost easily. For me, this honor is, is so big. It's so important. And I would, like I said, share it with the community because here I am from East LA. Well, a woman who, with nine children, my mother's humble beginnings, and mine too, of course. And it's all been done in my community, and I, I feel so proud. I love it. And I also always credit self graphics for beginning this public celebration that has now grown all over, all over the U.S. But I think the part that celebrates our lives and those of our ancestors is what touches many hearts and many people. And... I hope that it continues that way. I'm just so proud, and I'm so thankful. And speaking for the community, it's been nothing but gushing praise and honoring uh, for my mom. There's a couple of people that genuflect, which is really hilarious, but... (laughs) Young people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to them, my mom is a beautiful treasure, and I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to the NEA because I feel she deserves it and the community feels the same way and it's just awesome. And it is so richly deserved. Thank you both and I can't wait to meet you when you're in Washington.
Gracias, Joe. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. That was Rosanna Aherns and her mother, 2018 National Heritage Fellow, Alterista Ophelia Esparza. You can hear more from Ophelia and see some of her beautiful altars at the National Heritage Fellowship Concert, which takes place Friday, September 28th at 8 p.m. at Shakespeare Theater's Harmon Hall in Washington, D.C. It's free and open to the public. You can get more information about it at arts.gov. And if you can't make it to Washington, we are streaming it live at arts.gov. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. You can subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts. So please do. And leave us a rating on Apple. It helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.